Hey, I have you. Sounds like you're on mute, Kristen. Oh, can you hear me now? I gotcha. Let's oh, go. You are. <laughs> so sorry no about worries. that. No worries. <laughs> I am inviting all the people in now that you're here talking Draymond Green, Victor Wembanyama, and the 2023 oh NBA draft of Christian Peak on Get Calling. Join us. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a long day. Um, I flew back from Vegas this morning, and if I sound a little off at all, it's because my left ear has not popped from the plane yet while my right ear did, and I have no, no. idea. It's a very bizarre feeling. I've, this has literally never happened to me before, um, and I'm also, like, congested from the plane. But that being said, I got into, like, a blissful place today just writing about Victor and not to miss, fortunately all of the online discourse that happened with Dream. I saw it from the airport right before I boarded, but holy shit, I checked back in and saw two of my friends, you know, in some whole, like, existential fight about... I was like, oh my God, I'm so glad I didn't have to be a part of that stuff. Did you have any, any thoughts to share on that incident before I say something and then we move on? Or do you uh, want to just kind of sit, sit this one out? No, the only thing I'll say is, holy shit, and the second thing I'll say about the video being released is who released it? Yeah. That's, I mean, there's so many different theories about how this video got out. And it's like, does this make it the punishment worse for Draymond? What does this do for him? Um, you know, and his TNT <clears throat> deal and him as like a leader and a voice for the Warriors. Like, what do Steph and Clay do? Do they back him? How, what's Jordan Poole's future? Like he's about to, what we thought, sign like an extension, like a, a very big contract. Like, I don't know where we go from here. And it's very interesting. And after you see the footage, it's like, I cannot believe that the Warriors like downplayed this so much after we saw it. I don't know. Yeah. And what, and what did Jordan say? I want to know what he said. It definitely had nothing to do with like him. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what he said. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, a couple of things there. One, I am not going to speculate on how it got out. And I think, because I don't know. Um, right, right. And I haven't asked. Honestly, I feel bad for the people in Golden State who have to deal with putting out this fire. Because, like, they're, they're, they're the reigning NBA champs. they got a ring ceremony coming up in, you know, less than two weeks, whatever it is. Like, this is not something that... Like you really would expect to have to be dealing with here at this stage of the NBA calendar. Um, here we are, and look, I think I think it's just reflective of the culture that we now have, where like it's it's it seems at least kind of similar in a eerie sense to the Ime Udoka, you know, witch hunt that happened. You know, there's there's a, a vague idea that gets thrown out into the ether, and then people want to know. They're going right. to speculate and try to find the answers and they'll eat up any little breadcrumb like it's a big, you know, sandwich when it comes to rumors and gossip and hearsay and stuff. But the fact that it got out is, is, is the story, I think, on like an NBA level, like on our day to day on the ground, like what is tangibly happening here? Because I don't know, I, I, I talked about this with 
I texted a bunch of people throughout my, my travels today, and there were some people who were like, kind of saying, "You're you're saying, Kristen, this is this is pretty bad," and like the words downplayed it. There are other people I talked to though. To be fair, executives, coaches who have said something to the effect of, "I mean, this shit happens all the time, and it just doesn't get out. You mm, keep it in house, yeah. and, 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 you move, and you move right along." So I don't know what the right answer is in terms of like the severity of the action in terms of what's kind of, because that's not the, the NBA and, and a practice is a different workplace than what you and I right, right. are accustomed to, you know? But um, I will say this and, and, and regard, I've been to a lot of practices. I have on the college level, the high school level. I've even sat in on like a couple NBA practices. I have never seen anything like that. Like even sure. if it get even if it gets to a scuffle, I mean it's not throw hands and let's go, like that. Yeah, I've never seen yeah. anything like that. So no, that's a fair counterpoint too. I'll just say to that as well though, like the Warriors clearly never thought this video was going to be made public, and no. maybe there have been countless other situations like this in Golden State and other teams where the incident wouldn't have become so blown up because the video wouldn't have been made public and because of that i mean i don't know what they're going to do i haven't asked anyone there what they're going to do but just looking at it from an objective perspective of my kind of like 31st front office chair i try to hold covering the league it'd be a tough look to backtrack or change your public front that you had taken that you were just going to handle this internally and figure things out exactly yeah yeah. Because the video now all of a sudden came out. That would right. that wouldn't be I don't I don't think that's the correct course of action either. No. So it's gonna no, be I agree with that. I yeah, agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> the, to your point to your point about like how this impacts Draymond outside of the Warriors is something I hadn't even thought about, honestly. Um and you know Well, because now now even, it has to do with public it has to do with public perception, right? So yeah. if you're employed by TNT as a as an analyst you know what does that do for your you know your show or whatever if, if people are really really upset about this said video I don't know yeah I don't know it's it's I thought the story was going to die out and I was ready to, to publish a thing on Victor today and then we, we uh maybe I'm saying too much but yes. we, we, we held we held the story because didn't want it to get overshadowed by a, 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 a very large, uh, very large amount of chatter coming from Golden State. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. I just wanted to touch on it briefly because it is an objectively like fascinating occurrence in terms of just what occurred. Like the fact that this fight even happened and the fact that the video came out and it came out from TMZ, which means they clearly paid a large sum of money to have it. Like all that, that whole chain of events is absolutely noteworthy. But yeah, I'd like to move to our regularly scheduled programming to talk about uh, what we saw in Vegas this week. If that's cool with you, I would love nothing more than to talk about what we saw in Vegas. That would be great because <laughs> what we saw in Vegas was uh, unbelievable. I mean, I know you weren't there Tuesday night, but you saw what Victor did on Thursday afternoon and. It's safe to say, like, he's the runaway number one favorite. Nobody's coming for him. Um, he's the most sought-after prospect uh, in recent memory. I had many scouts, 
you know, kind of echo that sentiment and um, he's special. And we're seeing LeBron James say it. We're seeing Kevin Durant say it. Um, everyone in the basketball world is talking about, you know, the seven foot three French phenom, Victor Wembanyama. The cool thing about it too, and I don't want to say too, too much on the subject matters that I'm going to expound deeper on uh, sometime soon on yahoosports.com. Um, but <laughs> seeing him last night at the Timberwolves game after the yep. afternoon affair against the Ignite and like LeBron and AD yep. kind of giddy about meeting him. This is a, this is a league where, and it's, it's interesting in the context of that game where Rudy Gobert was kind of making, I think it might've been his first preseason game with the Timberwolves, his, his debut with that new team. Um, if not his first, definitely one of his first appearances, and he still hasn't played with Carl Anthony Towns yet, so he's early in his tenure there. And the the, the fit of superstars and, and how you're upheld and respected amongst that upper echelon of players has certainly been a talking point amongst Rudy's career. So to already see Victor, I mean, it's not easy to be kind of welcomed into that fraternity of all-star type guys. You know what right. I mean? That's That's right. something that I think – might be you have to earn that, yes. Exactly, yeah. It might be considered kitschy or corny to be like, that That means something. But, I mean, you, you're around these guys who are looking at each other eye to eye from the you know, the U12 AU circuit on through the draft. And then every single year when millions of dollars are on the line, like, yeah, like you said, you got to earn that shit. Yeah. And it's so it, what's so interesting to me about seeing LeBron give Victor so much high praise, like, you're the next one up. You're a generational type talent. You're an alien. You're not even a unicorn. You're an alien. Like he's talking about a player that is the same age as his son. Ronnie yeah. James turned 18 today. Like that is, that is insane to me that like you've got arguably one of the best players to ever play the game, LeBron James, talking about a kid, a kid that is the same age as his son as the next one up, the next one that's coming and, and giving him his, his roses and the respect that Victor, you know, like he hasn't, and, and Victor is the first one to say this. He said it multiple times during the week. He said it last night in his post-game press conference. He said, I have done nothing. I'm not in the NBA. I, I've done nothing to, to get all this attention. I'm just here. I'm not trying to be anybody but myself. And yes, he, he thinks it's it's great having his name mentioned above, you know, Kevin, Kevin Durant, about Rudy Gobert, LeBron, whatever you want to have it, Magic Johnson. But to him, he's like, I'm me. I want to make a own, my own name for myself, but I haven't done anything yet. And to me that it like his self-awareness of where he's at is so obvious and he carries the weight of what's about to come so well for somebody so young, like it's, it's unbelievable. Like I, I, I was very, very, very impressed with Victor just off the court, the way he's carrying the entire, you know, um, circus really on his shoulders. Like he's doing it flawlessly. Yeah. That's the, that's the story I ended up coming away from uh, my time in Las Vegas with, I, I went in wanting to, for this week, my goal was to, kind of look at the fact that he is this hyped guy. He, he is this kind of established top tier runaway favorite to be the top pick. And I mean, it's going to be, there would have to be something 
out of a a vicious plot twist of a novel to make him not be the number one pick moving forward. And because of that, I know a lot of people on the NBA were skeptical and kind of even worrisome, I guess, or, or worrying, excuse me, that he was just going to shut it down after right. this week. And right. that was kind of, that, that was the, the pearl I took in to this, to the week in terms of asking people questions and whatnot. And then, you know, his agent, uh, Buna Nadia shut that down. And he shut it ESPN. down. Yeah, Victor kind of said the same thing about the, the the competitor in him, like his want to keep playing out there. That, that was kind of the word I heard from t- multiple conversations of people on the ground this week that he is just that type of that type of dude where where sitting wouldn't be in his DNA, and he wants to compete. And every day he's viewing as a day to get better. So it, it was, I mean, it's it's storybook the kind of stuff we saw. It's it's funny that like. I think a lot about the cliche that journalism can be the first draft of history or is the first draft of history. And sometimes we can get hyperbolic when we're covering a story on the ground because we're maybe a little inclined to make it be a bit more of a, of a, of a ballad than it really is. But this week felt like something that's going to be talked about for you know the annals of NBA history and draft talk for a long long time it's going to be one of those things where where were you when you first yeah. saw Victor Wembanyama that's that's exactly the what's going to happen in terms of him and god willing like he stays healthy and the trajectory of his career like he could end up being one of the best players to ever play the NBA he could change the way the NBA is played like, and even, you know, the, the French coach and the, their GM for their team, the Metropolitan 92, they just said what Victor is doing, not only for the game of basketball and for NBA, but for basketball over in France specifically is unbelievable. Like, we're going to see more kids that want to pursue basketball other than soccer or other outlets because of Victor. And, you know, that, that, in itself is a little bit of pressure, but he, like I said, like he's, he's wearing it, like it's no big deal. And, you know, you talk to his, I I talked to his parents several times during the week and they are great people. You know, mom's six foot three. She played basketball. Dad's six, six. He was a triple jumper. So that's where obviously he gets his size and his skill and his athleticism. But they're the type of people where they don't mind being, they they don't want to be in the spotlight. Like it's almost like, if Victor is playing and they have to sit in the last row in the arena at the top, they're just happy to be there. And they're just there supporting their son. Like, and that, and that is when you see that sort of support, you know, kind of behind the scenes of a superstar like that, you know, he's going to be okay. You know, it's not going to derail into this money is going to change him or anything like, no, Victor is clearly all about basketball and that's his focus. And even with the words of shutting it down, he said, I can't accept just to quit like that. That's Those are his words that he told reporters after practice when we asked him about shutting it down early. And he said, look, if I if I didn't want to commit to Metropolitan 92, the team, then for the entire season, then I wouldn't even been in this situation. So yeah. that in itself is like, he's got that mentality of like, no, I'm going to play no matter what. Yeah, it's... I mean, I, I've always really enjoyed the movie Whiplash, and <laughs> the the main theme at the center of that story is the pursuit of greatness, right? And what's so unique about the NBA compared to other sports being that 
you look at football and as great a quarterback can be, I talked about this on the show. I've written about it in my book, but as, as great as a quarterback can be, you know, Tom Brady can be on the sidelines and watch his defense falter and, and lose his lead and, and fumble a Super Bowl, right? And the NBA is only 10 people on the floor and you can play both sides. Only five people on each team. It sounds like rudimentary math we're talking about here, but it's just that that gravity of impact that one player can have in the NBA and how much money is at stake. Being that the revenue is what it is, and and there's such fewer uh, plates looking for a piece of pie in terms of the there's only 450 players roughly mm-hmm. in, in, in the league. There's 53 on every roster in the NFL. Baseball is definitely an individual sport, but it's not nearly the same in terms of being on the court, wearing just the, a, a short sleeve and short and shorts and having all this attention on you and the fame and the glory and the legacy involved. Like he's got an awareness of all of that while also still being humble and, and rooted and grounded and being uh, a team player 18. at the end of the day it's while being 18 years old it's it's stunning dude it's really stunning yeah he i mean and and like it's funny i i wrote about victor and it's so funny when i um was talking to our editors at yahoo sports right before this year's draft class um you know they were like okay the day after the draft we need a way too early mock for this um, we need an introduction to who Victor Wimbanyama is. I was like, okay, got it, bet. Because I've been watching him now for two years just on film. I've, I've never seen him in person until this past week. But I I remember I in my copy, let me see if I can find it. Um, okay, here it is. I said, and, and I remember like our, our lead editor, he's like, this can't be true. And I said, no, really, I stand behind what I said. But I said, Victor Wimbenyama, think Rudy Gobert mixed with Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis. That's what Wimbenyama is projected to be. If you think that comp is too outrageous, then how about a larger Giannis Antetokounmpo without any weaknesses? He's that good. And like they read that, they're like, there's no way this kid is that. And this week, <laughs> our our like editor in chief, he texted me, he's like, you were right about the comps. And I'm like, I know, I know. <laughs> like, yeah. Thank God, he's like, he's, he's just, He's it. Like, no, there's no about like he is it. He's the next one up. He's he's him. He's crazy. He's him. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it it was a pleasure and a treat to be there. I will um admit candidly that I uh defied the, the holiest day of the Jewish calendar in order to make <laughs> it there. Cause it was just I mean I knew I explained this to my mother on the phone in, in between parts of the, the busy schedule. I was outside T-Mobile Arena waiting to go in for Timberwolves-Lakers last night. That, like, I just knew the, the hype around him and expect, and, and the fact that people were expecting him to, him to deliver. Like, this was like getting to watch Tim Duncan play on American soil for the first time in front of the entire NBA. Like, that's the type mm-hmm. of... That's the type of prospect we're talking about here. So, yeah, I mean, the tanking race that we could see here is going to be fascinating. Um, where, I, where where do you want to see him land? That's uh, the <laughs> that's the that's the probably I'm probably the worst person you could ask that question to because I honestly don't really care. But. Can I can I tell you? I think the draft lottery night will be my favorite thing I cover 
oh, yeah. leading up to the NBA draft in the sense I've, where it'll just be like, it'll be such a huge high for the team that gets number one and such a, like a letdown, huge, not a, not a horrible letdown. Cause you still got Scoot. You got the Thompson twins. You got Nick Smith Jr., but it's not Victor. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And um, so I, I'm here for it. I cannot wait for draft lottery night. But talking to teams that are positioning themselves to be in that position, I had one executive say to me, "I want to be alone that night. I don't want anybody. I just want to be by myself. And if we land him, great. If not, don't talk to me." <laughs> like. Yeah, it's that sort of feeling already. And it's only October. And you know, draft lottery is what, seven months away. And they're already yeah. thinking that way. Look, last year, I, I got into the lottery room, the, the, the league was kind enough to, to grant me one of those one of those Willy Wonka chocolate factory golden tickets. And I have already made a semi official request to get back in there because <laughs> The if, I mean, the videos are available on NBA.com. I know it's not as glitzy and glammy as the actual broadcast, but the room itself, that back room, they do kind of make it feel like a stage, and there's a lot of display and decorations and, you know, hubbub to make it feel like a, a very important space, which it is. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be juiced with uh, theatric drama this year. It's going to be – the oh. stage will be set. It's going to be – there'll be lucky charms. Like, it'll be funny if you said some people won't want to be there. Who's going to want to be in the room? Who's going to be stuck in there because the team wanted them to go there, but they're too nervous to be the representative? Like, yeah. It's going to be a real, real, real human moment where – I mean, it's it's hilarious in general that the, the fate of these multi-billion dollar franchises and these executives who are – fighting tooth and nail to outwit each other to you know be, stake their claim for for nba glory like all comes down to the bounce of 14 ping pong balls <laughs> and it's just going to be even more absurd and and dramatic this may it's going to be awesome it's gonna i'm here for it i'm here for all of it and i'm also like i'm curious to see on the college side because we know we now we know who Victor is, we know who Scoot is. Like, I'm sorry, hello, John Morant 2.0, Derek Rose, whatever, whatever you want to call him. Those two have definitely solidified themselves as, as one. And the Thompson twins are there from Overtime Elite. We've had a chance to see them play against Adam 76ers. I was over in Europe, I saw them play in Serbia and Spain. But now that college is on the brink, you know, we've got a lot of freshman one and done players that are going to emerge as like top lottery talent. You know, Nick Smith Jr. and Anthony Black, the really athletic backcourt in Arkansas, like they could be there. So there's a lot of different storylines of these young players coming up that I'm all I'm here for. I'm really excited for. And I had someone say they're just like, oh, in your mock draft, uh, everybody's a freshman or an overseas player except for one player. And I'm like, yeah, well, everybody's excited for this freshman class. I don't know what to tell you. Like. Every all the feedback that I've gotten from NBA scouts is about these freshmen coming in and they want to see it develop. And there's a ton of guards and a ton of length. And um, if if Oklahoma City and what they drafted last year has, you know, shown anybody what the future of the NBA is, it's long athletic players that can be plugged into into multiple positions and can defend multiple positions. And that's what this class is made of for this for coming up in June. So it's going to be 
it's going to be a fun year of uh, college basketball leading into the draft. If that's what you're into, like myself. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk. Let's touch on Scoot for a little bit because I saw him for the first time at the G League Showcase last December. I had heard yep. some hype about him being really good, coming off the bench, being really efficient, and he was good. Like I was really impressed by him. Like definitely right away. It was obvious. And at that time, I'd already kind of been aware of, of Wembanyama. He was more of like this internet idea than like a real walking, breathing prospect we could talk to like this week. But um, it, it was still kind of clear that he was at least looming in the periphery as the obvious number one, you know, highest potential guy. But Scoot, from the moment I watched him, it was clear. To, I mean, to me, when I first saw him, you were – looked like a spitting image of Derrick Rose to, to, go, mm-hmm. to go to the comp part of this. And then I met him and his family at All-Star Weekend in Cleveland because he was there for um, the rookie for the sophomore G-League. stuff. Yep. Yeah, whatever they call that game now. Um, and then I watched Ignite play uh, the Canton Charge during like that Saturday afternoon or whatever it was. I was really st- – I mean, most of the time I watched Ignite last year, I was just taken by Dyson Daniels, and I was – pretty early on the, on the Dyson uh, hype train. And I called him a top 10 pick before our friend Jeremy will. So I had that over him. Um, <laughs> so maybe I was a little bit biased and distracted um, of this watching Dyson to really see Scoot like kind of takes these next steps I saw from him this week, but not only just like in terms of assertiveness, in terms of like, just absolute gamer killer mentality. I'm going to eat who's ever in front of me. Um, the, the, the vocal, you know, aspect of his game was probably even the biggest thing that took me by surprise. And this was a a very press heavy week, right? And I think that was part of what I was curious about the structure of this week too, being that there was practice, there was, there was practice in a game and practice in a game where Victor and Scoot were obviously talking solo at the podium every single time and mm-hmm. that was a spotlight and, and the public and that the the media aspect of this machine is a real element obviously to this job and this business where you know ron has done what he's done on the court and it backed up all the si cover hype that was bestowed upon him way back when like i mean the guy is partially a legend that he is because of the way he recognizes when the camera is on and when when mm-hmm. the press comes in to ask about whatever at the end of a preseason game in Las Vegas he takes the opportunity to call out Adam Silver and say I want to own the team here in Las Vegas mm-hmm. so to see Scoot and Victor and evaluate how they handled that stuff was interesting and we talked about it with Victor earlier with Scoot he seemed like a far more willing to either share his thoughts or more comfortable in sharing his thoughts and more just of a of a professional than than the young kid who was first on the scene last year. And obviously, it's, a year has gone by, but it's not guaranteed that he's gonna that he was gonna. It wasn't guaranteed he was gonna take those strides, and I feel like he took strides and then some. Um, and that's that was very impressive to me too, especially being that he's gonna be a point guard where Victor will be the the likely franchise face wherever he goes and he will be the heartbeat and the lifeblood of that organization. Mm -hmm. But in terms of like connectivity stuff of actually on the court and what your role is, it's, it is a little bit more more important to have that, that vocal leadership 
ability when the ball is going to be in your hands 30% of the game. I mean, he said that to me uh, back in July. I mean, I've known I've I've known Scoot since he was 15 years old when he was going by Scooda, not Scoot. Now it's just Scoot. <laughs> um, <laughs> why why did he, he drop the A? Uh, I don't know. It's it was just Scooda was a little more like little kid than Scoot, yeah, so yeah. he yeah yeah. So he dropped the A uh, about two years ago. Um, the artist but, formerly known as Scooter. Yeah, yeah. Scooter Henderson is now Scoot. Um, but, you know, I talked to him in July. I interviewed him um, at, when I was at Summer League. And at that time, I said, um, you know, this is in July. And I said, um, it's you and Victor Wimbanyama at the top of the draft. What do you know about him? And his mentality, like, this is how Scoot is built. He's like, I don't know anything about him. Of course, I see the highlights of him. But... Um, show me anybody that's seven feet or taller in the NBA that has the ball in their hands the majority of the time is creating for others. That's how I, that's how I'm separating myself from him. And like, he's not wrong, but in, in your, to, to kind of echo what you said, like nobody's going to pass on Victor. Like Victor is going to be the number one pick, but to get the second pick and get a player like that, who recognizes like, oh no. Not only am I a dog on the court, and when I asked him an hour before tip-off in the first game, Scoot, what's your mentality going into this? He just looked at me. He's like, kill. That's it, KP. And, like, that's his mentality, and you can see it in his eyes. You see it in the court. You see it on the bench. He's definitely emerged more as a leader. At 18 years old, he's leading guys that are, you know, some of them are 10 years older than him in the G League. Um and just way more confident in the spacing and the play and everything in the game. And the fact that like, he's a worker. So you already know, like his jump shot has improved. Like his jump, jump shot was not as fluid off the pick and roll. Like if, if anybody, like he was hesitating a lot last year with um, if, if somebody went under the screen, he was hesitant to let it fly. Now he knows he's like, I'm letting it fly. If, if the hedge isn't coming, I'm letting it fly. And he's way more confident in that. So, you see a worker like that at just 18, imagine what type of player he's going to be at 20 with his athleticism, with his passing, with his body control around the rim. Like this is a guy that could be one of the best point guards, you know, in the league three, four or five years from now. And I think the two of them are going to be bonafide all-stars and this draft class is going to be special. But what I love most, Jake, I know you, <laughs> I know you weren't there for the first, this is my favorite. I don't know if I told you this. My favorite, like, uh, progression of quotes from first we had Jason Hart, the head coach for the G League Ignite. I asked him, will Scoot and Victor's name be tied together from here on out uh, for years to come? He's like, yeah. And similar to, like, Trey Young and Luka Doncic, right? We're going to see that same thing. And he goes, I just hope that they develop a relationship off the court. This is a brotherhood. I hope it gets to the point where they're at each other's weddings. Like you oh see Jason God. Hart, you see Jason Hart, he like sees rainbows and sunshine, right? Scoot comes to the podium. Somebody asks, how well do you know Victor Wimbanyama? He's like, I don't know him at all. That's what Scoot said. He's like, I don't know anything about him. And it's true. He, he doesn't, they're not friends. He doesn't know him at all. So then, <laughs> that's what Scoot says. Victor comes on and I ask him, I was like, Obviously, you you know who Scoot is. You guys haven't played together, but have you watched anything? And this is this is I asked the question that got the you know the quote that set the internet on fire. 
but before he said what he said, he goes, or not, sorry. He said, Scoot is my favorite player in this draft class. I've been watching film on him for one to two years. Nobody handles the ball like him. And then he pauses and he just shrugs and he laughs and he goes, if I had never been born, Scoot would be the top pick in this draft class. And everybody just took that one line and ran with it. But I just thought it was so funny of Jason Hart. That's like, oh, I want them to be best friends. Scoot's like, <laughs> I know nothing about him. And then Victor's like, he's my favorite player in this draft class. But let me burn them with this line, like in the last, in the last bit. Like it was, it was my favorite thing about media availability on Monday. That's all I gotta say well, about that. I want us to be best friends as we start this journey covering NBA drafts together. Um, I've got one more question for you, and then we'll get you out of here. Um, we, I mean, Victor and Scoot one and two, like we said, and yep. I totally agree with everything you said. From my personal standpoint, also from everything I've heard from conversations with people on the league, he's a bonafide number two, and whoever gets that second pick is, is certainly getting a consolation prize in terms of not winning the, the grand lottery pick, but it, it will certainly leave happy um, and kind of thanking the lucky stars that this was the year they got number two. Who yep. is your personal favorite to be? Because there's a bunch of names, like you mentioned them earlier, but who is your personal favorite right now? Who do you have third on your on your big board? I'm Ben Thompson. One right. of the one of the Thompson twins. But I say that and um Nick Smith Jr. hasn't played a single game of basketball yet. So he could go off and that could completely change. Like there's a lot there's a lot to be done and decipher between the college season which is what I love about the NBA yeah. draft process. And we're going to see, you know, fourth year guys emerge like Chris Duarte, like Ochai just come out of nowhere and be that like bona fide, solidify themselves as like a safe lottery pick as a plug and play guy. And sophomores um, like Johnny Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny Davis and, and Jay Nivey, you know, he, he was kind of known as like a fringe, first rounder um, after his freshman year and he came back and he was, you know, number five going to, De going to Detroit. So ask, ask um, Lou about Jaden Ivy too. I told him that kid was going to be a lottery pick. Well, in advance. <laughs> I knew it. I knew over, it. Over that guy. I knew it. I knew it after his, uh, his showing his freshman year during that, uh, during, I mean, they lost the game. Purdue lost to whatever. They were the like Big a, Ten tournament, right? No, 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 no. They were. It was the. It was the first round of the NCAA tournament. Okay, they lost to like North Texas. Yeah. And yeah, he looked Jaden went crazy, and he actually was like the leading scorer. Or he was he he broke the record for the most points scored by any freshman in right, the Big right. Ten for a freshman. Yeah. So, yeah, and his mom um, was a coach. It was it was yep. a, it was an automatic recipe for a lottery pick. We saw it. We saw it. We were early. We were there. Um, <laughs> we were there. We were there. <laughs> on that note, we've got your we've got your your early pick right now. Yeah. Um, for, for your third, and yeah, I'm, I'll be curious to see how it all changes and twists and turns throughout the college season and whatever happens every season with OTE and the other uh, non traditional paths. Um, we'll be following your work. Is there anything you want to plug before you get out of here? I mean, just new mock draft. Um, I'm in Colorado Springs going to USA Basketball. Uh, there's a uh, Carlos Boozer's son, Cam Boozer, is on the rise. He's the number one sophomore in the country. And then wow. there's a kid from Maine, from Maine, 
Cooper Flagg, who's playing on Mount Verde Academy, the powerhouse high school team, who is the, you know, the next one up. So I'm telling you this sophomore class, this high school sophomore class is like the way we're talking about. Um, no, I won't say this. The way we talked about Kate Cunningham, <laughs> the way we talked about Kate Cunningham, Scotty Barnes, and Jalen Green is the way we're going to be talking about this sophomore class coming up with Cooper Flagg and Cam Boozer. So I'm going to be seeing them tomorrow. I'm excited about it. You know what? You know me. I stay in the gym. It doesn't matter. Like, I, I find the talent. I stay in the gym. This girl's always <laughs> grinding. She's the last one. She's the last one to leave and the first one in. <laughs> and her name is. Name of the game. <laughs> NBA draft analyst for Yahoo. Thanks for joining me. Enjoy the games at uh, Colorado Springs this weekend. And I don't know when I'll see you next, but I look forward to it. Thank you. For, thank you again for the time. I appreciate it. No, thanks for having me. Anytime, Jake. See ya. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week. Maybe we'll talk some more Draymond with some Warriors folks. Maybe we'll see wherever the, the information cycle takes us. But for now, thank you all for tuning in. Have a good weekend. Good night.